Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the amazing FBA podcast, the place to be for UK-based Amazon sellers. Although, in fact, if you're based in the US or North America generally or Europe, you'll probably find the information here pretty much exactly the same value today because we're talking about importing into Japan and Amazon. And actually, it's pretty much the same for most of us are going to get our goods in made in China. And if that's the case then it's going to go straight over from China to Japan. So how to get that done is the topic of today's talk with John Kant of Rising Sun Commerce. It's a bit of hassle getting anything imported anywhere and Japan's no different. But again, I just want to reiterate, it's the third biggest Amazon marketplace in the world, folks. It's very, very neglected by British and American sellers, which is your opportunity should you choose to take the plunge and work with somebody like John and his team. So hope you enjoy listening to this episode and uh, don't forget, of course, to leave it a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if you can at the end as well. We've got the listing and we've we've got the sales now, but what we haven't talked about is how you get the products into the warehouses in the first place. So tell me about the freight and importing side of things. I mean, is it uh, simple? Is it complex? And you know, how do we go about that? Yes, I mean, the one thing to flag at this stage is you need an importer of record or which is somebody in Japan responsible for accepting the goods through customs. Now, there's various third party companies that provide that service or some freight forwarders do it as well, depending, you know, on what their relationship is with Japan. But whenever you send in stuff to to Japan to sell through Amazon, make sure you've got somebody to do that, because if you don't have that, they'll get stopped at customs and they'll get returned and or you'll end up in a bit of a mess of trying to find somebody to do it for you anyway yeah but it's all a lot it's a lot more stressful to be in that position than it is to get it organized up front so yeah yeah that sounds fairly random although you do get that with so i was talking to a warehousing service base in toronto the other day and he said yeah sometimes people just send stuff to us and then they email about it and a month later saying where's is our stuff in amazon yet and then they say you didn't actually arrange anything. <laughs> so that's not a good plan. It's never a good plan. It's amazing to me that people ever do that. But I could kind of understand it if you're in a great recurry. But if you're launching to a completely new country, yeah, it's fairly random. But it's, it sounds like it's very easily dealt with. So freight forwarders offer it as part of the service. I guess if you get a freight forwarder, would you have a list or, or partner freight forwarders that you can put people yeah, in I mean, touch with? Yeah, I mean, we've got a list of suppliers that, that if people want, you know. Yeah. Them. Yep, okay and, and do you have like do you have that ready on a, a list anywhere on a web page or a sort of cheat sheet or is it just, just email pdf you? that i just send to email to people when pdf they ask for it. could yeah. we possibly if we if we put a redirect for that could we possibly have that available for listeners? yeah sure yeah, yeah very yeah. cool all right yeah, so i'm just cool. gonna i'm gonna make something up and we can redirect to this so amazingfba.com forward slash what should we say japan ff so ff for freight forwarders why don't we say something like that so amazingfba.com forward slash japan ff so if you want to get that information from john's uh, list of amazing people obviously i presume that you guys can kind of take care of the whole business anyway if people give you a ring right yeah yeah i mean we 
there's, there's sort of four main areas that we we take care of do market research getting your listing set up properly advertising and then ongoing customer support and seller support so keeping your account healthy and dealing with any problems and customer problems so and does that tend, include the freight side as well, or well i was that... gonna i was just about to say we tend not yeah. to get involved in the freight side of it too much mm. but we'll connect people with you know freight forwarders importer of records and then they can talk directly to the to those people yeah still i mean even that connection if you don't charge for it i mean it's basically you know still doing the service for people that that's worth knowing brilliant so okay so i mean once you've got yourself an importer of record what are the what are the uh next things we need to do to get it into japan safely and what are the kind of costs as well yeah so i mean obviously when your goods arrive there you've got to pay tax and import duties which is why you need this importer of record because they're basically responsible for paying your your duties now over recent months we've seen clients clients who are sending products directly to an fba distribution center we're seeing them be inspected by customs more and more because there's there's kind of been a tax loophole to some degree where overseas sellers haven't been paying sales tax on the full sale price of their product they've been paying it based on the cost price or bill of lading kind of thing so mm. i think amazon japanese customs and excise department have got wise to this and the, and and yeah they're, they're kind of flagging more and more products in that situation so if you if if they know that you're going to be selling it on on amazon and you know you're not selling it on to somebody in japan as, as is the sort of traditional method of distribution then you know they'll be missing out on their share of tax so they, they've been inspecting products in that situation and they've been going on to amazon and they they investigate what you're selling it for on amazon mm. and then they charge you a tax based on on what they their investigation reveals what the you know rather than what you're declaring it at so yeah, yeah that does make a certain brutal kind of sense i guess what we were saying is uh to to read between the lines don't under declare the value of your goods going to japan because it won't actually serve you apart from the fact that of course it's tax fraud which we could not be seen to endorse but i mean even if you are willing to sort of bend the rules a bit that that's no longer going to actually help you so that's that's worth knowing well um, i mean it's not necessarily tax fraud because the japanese tax laws are quite complex okay and there's a certain <laughs> threshold in there so it depends how much you sell in and it and um, there's like a a time threshold as well so you've got to have been selling for two years before you kind of become liable for these taxes and stuff now obviously because it's such a complex area <laughs> you know maybe you could fight it and stuff <laughs> but it's yeah it's kind of a tricky one it's 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 a gray area okay so, so tell us how do we handle that because you just brought up something that i didn't realize was, was so complex because obviously certainly us famously we've got to deal with the sales tax and that's been extremely complex it's becoming simpler and simpler as most states uh, opt for the marketplace tax rule meaning that amazon if it's amazon if it's in california say or most states have to collect the tax and remit it in other words get it to the tax authorities of that state and then deal with the paperwork so they deal with all of that stuff so how does it work in japan who's responsible for import tax and remittance and stuff that's just dealt with when you import right is that just dealt with in one yeah day? yeah so i mean you're you're your own entity and you're responsible for your taxes in japan but because 
you know, sellers in this situation. There's an overseas seller that, you know, that the Japanese tax authorities find it hard to come and look for you and find you. So I think that's why they're a bit nervous about more investigation and trying to, to charge you due uh, tax based on the sales price. So let, let's be very, very clear for our American friends listening will be getting freaked out because for them, tax means sales tax. So we're talking about import tax, right? And it is once it's imported into the system, once you sell, do you have to deal with sales tax of any kind? No, no, no. So there's no sales tax in Japan. How does that work? Well, no, there is. It's 10 percent. So, yeah, but it, it, it kind of goes on at each stage of the. So, so it's more like VAT then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not yeah. sales tax. So it's a, a, yeah, which yeah. which means Americans listening will be freaked out because every American I've ever spoken to generally finds VAT really hard to get their head around because it's just not a thing in America. So so tell us in the simplest possible possible way, and obviously they can consult a tax expert if they want. But neither of us are claiming to be tax experts. I think, nor is this a substitute for professional <laughs> advice. Is the usual thing, right? But exactly. nevertheless, what's the simple simple version? Let's say I'm importing a hundred units as a sort of try out of a product i'm getting it made into china anyway so i ship it over to the u.s presumably by the way that the shipping time from china to u.s to japan, japan i should say is yeah. super quick right how long does it take yeah so it's the actual ship time is about 48 hours or door to door between your factory and fba centers probably yeah. two weeks assuming they're on the east coast of china i, I guess otherwise yeah 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 across yeah, china. yeah 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 so it's super super fast and then you've got a bit of sort of loading at one end unloading the other and then customs what have you but yeah exactly. i just wanted to point out it's incredibly just round the block if your stuff is being made in shenzhen or guangdong or whatever those massive coastal cities it's not got to go very far so your your freight actual freight costs and time is going to be super fast which means you can stock less stuff which means ties up less capital these are all just mundane but incredibly important things reasons why you go to japan i just wanted to not miss that but okay i've got 100 units let's say they've got a declared customs value of about five dollars each so that's 500 dollars worth of stuff and then i get them to japan and they are going through customs what happens at this point what's the sort of what's the process so- depending on the address on them so if you're using an importer of record that is sending it to their warehouse first Mm. then the tax authorities might look at that and assume that you're selling it to your importer of record and you will pay tax based on your declared value okay and if your final address has got amazon fba center written on it Mm. they'll look at that and they might get a bit suspicious thinking who we're not going to be you know the tax authorities are going to be able to claim the sales tax based on the sale price here let's have a look what's going on and they might look at how much you're selling for these how much these products are selling for on amazon Mm. and then charge you the the tax based on your what they think the sales price is minus all right and and so if your if your products are say you know five dollars each yeah if you're selling them for say yeah yeah then they'd look at the twenty dollar sale price they'd Mm -hmm. say right amazon are taking you know ten percent commission and then there's a a sort of distribution price of three dollars or four dollars or whatever so they might so that maybe comes down to $15. So mm. you, you could well be paying the sales tax on $15 rather than the $5. Wow, really? So they're going to charge you quite a lot. Okay, that's worth knowing. And then the sales tax, the 10% figure that you mentioned is 10% of that value, right? 
So yeah, roughly. that you'd be paying ten percent of the fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah, or five if if they believe you. Basically, yeah, exactly. or somewhere in between. Yeah. Our new partner for today's episode is Ovals, the stock management experts. According to Retail Dive, e-commerce store owners lost $22 billion in sales because of being out of stock. 15% of consumers actually switched sites to buy the item if they encountered an out-of-stock product online. Don't let that be your customer. Ovals can help you avoid these mistakes. With Ovals, you can check for stock errors and improve inventory accuracy to increase sales. Ovals want to help you grow your sales with a free inventory accuracy cheat sheet. All our listeners will get two months of an Ovals paid plan for free. You can get your free months by visiting ovals.io forward slash amazing FBA. That's O-V-A-L-Z dot I-O forward slash amazing F for Freddie, B for Bertie, A for Alpha. Okay, yeah. so that introduces quite a note of uncertainty, I have to say. Then then you're saying it's more like VAT than sales tax. So you, you're saying you're paying it there. Then you get it into the Amazon warehouse. Let's say you're shopping, shipping straight to Amazon. And then it sits in the warehouse. Then somebody makes a sale. And say you're selling it for $20 or obviously the Japanese equivalent price. What happens at that point when you make this $20 sale? What happens financially to the tax? Well, that's it. You, as a small seller with a test run, you're probably not going to go... Well, if you're within your two-year time limit, you don't need to file your taxes anyway, is, is my understanding. So, yeah, you don't need to do anything. And eventually then, after two years, are you going to be paying for that sale two years down the line? Or is that sale just kind of part of a two-year sort of effectively free of tax, free of sales tax, I should say? Yeah. So, eventually, if you, know, if you take Japan seriously and you build up sales, then, yeah, you need to be paying your taxes based on what you're selling there and it's at that point you want to kind of go and get a have have a chat with the japanese tax company that can probably give you the best advice yeah and and do you have contacts in that world as well yeah yeah we've got yeah we've got a couple of companies that, that i can recommend as well i was gonna that. say because because those of us in based in the uk or usa who have handle on japanese accountants is probably zero <laughs> so yeah that would be really useful okay so like all these things <laughs> it, it gets complex it, it took a while for me to find people that could fill in the gaps i bet i actually looking for quite a long time so yeah, yeah you know people who can handle e-commerce because it's become come onto the official radar if you like in a lot of countries and, and jurisdictions i should say in the broader sense of so some states in america have woken up to it some not then it's it's become more complex and the rules kind of change quite frequently that the french have decided to change the rules around quite a few things recently as they like to so yeah i guess in the end there's no substitute for finding a really good accountant who's got their head around it which is not common so if you've got handles on on those that's that's useful so I guess, you know, that that's hard to sort of nail down, but it sounds like that 10% on import is a bit like VAT, only it's 10%, not 20% into the UK or whatever. So lower import taxes, probably depending on whether they believe a declared value. How common is this scenario? Because it sounds a bit off-putting. Is that something that happens every day or is it just sort of a rare event? No, well, we're seeing it more and more. So, yeah, it's, it seems to be getting quite common really now, yeah. So I guess if I had to summarise what my understanding from this conversation of Amazon Japan is, it's growing like crazy, well, not like crazy, but it's growing very steadily and it's a big market. 
the massively attractive thing is that I can just get an extra case of or a few cases made into China and pop it over to Japan incredibly quickly. It sounds like the import side's a mess because we don't know how much you're going to end up paying, which is not attractive. But then I guess if you've got 100 units, it's not such a disaster. And then the the sales side, you need to get somebody to just get it done for you. So it sounds like there's some barriers in the way and a bit of uncertainty. But on the other hand, a, a big upside. Is that a fair summary? What What's your sort of... Yeah, no, I mean, that's April? a very fair summary. You know, that's exactly the situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for the slightly more adventurous-minded, I guess, but not necessarily kind of c- completely crazy, what we haven't talked about really is is the sorts of products that work in Japan and that those that don't. I mean, uh, again, I guess a lot of things will be similar. So let's talk about things are, you know, how, how similar is it and, and what are the things that don't translate very well from, say, America or Europe to Japan? Yeah, so I think people do tend to overcomplicate Japan. Fundamentally, if you've got a product that sells on Amazon anywhere else in the world, the chances are it'll sell on Amazon Japan as well. I'd say the weaker categories in Japan relative to other places of clothing is a bit weaker. Groceries probably slower as well, certainly compared to the UK. You know, it's nowhere near as big as what it is here. Yeah. So, yeah, they're the the two that are probably the the slower ones but you know all all the sort of sports and outdoor home home and kitchen you know those categories are very strong so i guess it sounds like we need to be willing to do that old-fashioned thing which is like we're not certain of the outcome but we just take a small amount of stuff and do a low risk experiment right because in the end what i love about it is the speed if i'm going to find something that doesn't work i just want to know as quickly as possible and if i could just pop something on a boat which is going to be way cheaper than air freighting it especially now where air freight i think sort of tripled in price earlier this year according Mm, to freightford i spoke to and so you know if you're going to test a market for example if you're selling in america and you want to test something in europe you're going to basically probably want to air freight it an extra set of inventory over from your chinese factory assuming it's been made there or india or wherever it is same principle and that's going to cost you a lot of money and then you're going to have to import it and go through all the pain of the importing and, and paying taxes and as opposed to in japan it sounds like you get a similar scenario except you just pop it on a boat and it's there incredibly quickly at just about the same speed as you would get it by to europe or us by air so i think that's geography is part of what we do and i think people forget that sometimes don't they you know physical movement of goods is involved in this it's not all digital so yeah it sounds to me like it's something that's worth having a good go at it because unlike most markets in the world people talk about australia or uae whatever they're very small they may grow and they may not but japan is already big and it's already there and, and the competition can't be bothered to do it and you do big old competitive advantage in my opinion i think if 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 people are going to do it it's probably better to to go with fewer product lines and and really go for it on you know one or Mm. two or three items rather than kind of blasting your whole catalog at it and doing it half-heartedly i think it's better to go deeper with fewer items and, and and you know get them set up properly because you want as, as you say, you're experimenting. Is it is it a good market for the products? And the only way you're going to get an answer to that question one way or the other is if you do it right. If you don't, if you go in half-heartedly, then, you know, you might not see sales. So you, you, you've still got the question, is it suitable? Because, you know, do I need to just improve <laughs> this, that and the other? And then it's, uh, it's best to go with few, fewer products and do it properly, I think. 
Thank you. Now, that's a very important point to make, actually, because uh, sometimes the experiment, to the answer to, I don't know if mm, it's going to work, yeah, is yeah. to throw a lot yeah. of mud at the wall and see what sticks. But as you're just implying, I guess, if the if the question you're asking by experimenting in a stupid way is, can I sell this stuff to people with awful quality images, with English on, with terrible, terrible Japanese and meaningless <laughs> yeah, PC, exactly, exactly. no in any marketplace, exactly. isn't it? That doesn't tell you whether the product sells. So, no, you make a very good point. I mean, so, but it is, joking apart, that is a very different sort of tactic or strategic approach to experimentation. If you're American and you have a, a catalogue of, say, 100 products or 20 even selling well in the US, it probably makes sense to chuck all of them in the UK, do a bit of keyword research and not just literally just use the same listing. That would be very lazy. But I guess if you're really lazy, you could do that. It would have the wrong keywords in. You could probably make sure you adjust for the word pants does not mean, you know, things you put on it. It doesn't mean the same in the UK as the US. And there's little things like that that you can get really wrong. But broadly speaking, you could be fairly primitive and it would work. Whereas it sounds like if you do that in Japan, it's just going to be a bit of a disaster. So, you, you know, instead of taking 20, you might take five and, and hone it a bit, get some translations done and get those photography done. But it, it sounds very doable. In the end, what, what strikes me is this, that the mentality with this is that if you're not willing to outsource, you're in the wrong business model anyway, because most of us don't have a factory in our back gardens. We're importing anyway. So the fact that you're importing from China to the USA, but probably hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away from your home you know, where you live, if you're based in the US, it's not really very different to just get it sent somewhere that you don't live in. It's called Japan. It's just that it feels a bit more alarming, right? You just got to get used to the fact that you hire good people and trust them. So talking of hiring good people, you've already mentioned the services you, you do, but just give us a quick recap of what you do for people who want to get going with Amazon Japan. Yeah, sure. So there's sort of four main areas that we help people with. One is doing market research uh, before they launch. Um, second is getting people's listings and product pages set up properly, you know, properly keyword research and stuff as we've discussed already. Thirdly is doing uh, advertising. Um, and then fourthly, ongoing customer support and seller support and general account management. Excellent. Well, it all sounds very straightforward. And I think, you know, you're obviously very, very experienced at this point. How long have you been running Rising Sun now? It's been a while, right? Yeah. So we, we first started selling our own products there about, uh, what will it be, four and a half years ago or so. And then we've been running as an agency for about three, three and a half years. Yeah. So you've got a fair amount of experience accumulated now. So you know what you're doing and people are, are, are handing stuff over to people who've, who've seen all the wrinkles and the nuances so yeah yeah if people want to get hold of you and, and explore working with you what's the best way to get hold of you john sure yeah so the website is risingsuncommerce.com and then my email address is jc at risingsuncommerce.co.uk so we we went with the .co.uk originally and then changed the .com but i've never transferred my email address across so okay yeah excellent well difference. so you if you ever get the, the email address jc at risingsuncommerce.com you may find there are like 50 emails waiting for you but yeah just to recap guys just in case you're list, getting confused and listening so the website is risingsuncommerce.com but to get hold of John, it's jc at risingsuncommerce.co.uk. But just to reiterate, you do work with sellers from all over the world, right? Not just Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you're listening for the US or Australia, so I know that, you know, Canada, where I know we have quite a few listeners, feel free to get in touch with John. He can definitely help you out because it's, it's not really dependent on being in a particular country, right? So... John, very interesting chat. Let's uh, see what develops with this whole import tax side, which sounds a bit variable. But apart from that, it sounds like, you know, as ever, it's an underused opportunity, lower competition, 
wealthy consumer base, solid sales. So let's hope that people listening get in touch with you. I'd be delighted, you know, to, to hear from somebody in a few months' time and say, I'm really glad I heard that podcast because I've got myself going in Japan. So if you're listening, get going, be courageous. If you're already selling US or UK or, or somewhere in Europe, it's the obvious thing to do. Be a bit courageous, get in touch with John, get it done and uh, tell us how you got on. So John, just remains for me to say a big thank you for coming and sharing your insights. Thanks very much for having me, Michael. Always good to chat. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.